Hey, I'm Zach McMath, and you're listening to the What's Up Whitecaps podcast. Hey, Tom. Hey, Ben. What's up? Whitecaps. Yes, and welcome to the sixth episode of What's Up Whitecaps. Today's episode is a bit longer because there's just so much that happened in this last week. Tom, what are we going to talk about? We got our first points of the season. Russell Tiber played through an injury. Other players are coming back. And Zlatan Ibrahimovic visits BC Place tomorrow. And we also have an exclusive interview with the one and only voice of the Vancouver Whitecaps, MLS on TSN's very own Peter Shad. We have a lot to cover, so let's get to it. So, firstly, Seattle. We get our first points of the season. 0-0 draw. What do you think of it? I thought it wasn't the most interesting game, considering the fact that there were no goals scored. However, we played a really good match, especially in the defense. I think we really stepped up, and it was a good match. We had a lot of shots on net. Not all of them were on target, but I felt we did really well, especially considering such a strong side like Seattle. Yeah, I would agree with that. It was a pretty good performance, I thought, especially defensively. Uh, and it's actually our first clean sheet at home since April 27th, almost a year ago against RSL uh, in a 2-0 win there. Um, so it's definitely good to get a clean sheet at home, and you got to be picking up points at home, and to pick up your first points of the season is good. And it's also Maxime Crapo's uh, first MLS clean sheet, so that's good for him. We also saw the debut of Aliadna uh, at left good. back uh, comes in immediately thrown into the fire, really. Uh, what do you think of him? I thought he played awesome. Uh, didn't he get man of the match? He did get Yeah, he got man of the match. That's awesome. I think he was a really good player. I think he was able to fit with the team really well, considering he'd only just joined, and I think he's going to be a great great player for the future. Yeah, I think he only had, like, three training days or something. You know, Freddie Montero is an intriguing person to me. He hasn't found success in this team this year. Um, Ardais has found success in his short moments, and he almost won the match late at the end there. I mean, really? that, that was an insane ending uh, with Inbom getting fouled, the whole VAR thing. Uh, that's that's another issue, uh, the whole VAR. Um, that was probably the best moment of the match. Yeah, I mean, that end was exciting. But getting back to the Montero question, does he ride the bench for the next few games, give Ardes a chance, or you like you like him? I so like Montero. Would you, would you keep playing him? I like Montero a lot. I like how he plays. I like how he works with this new team. But he's just he's just not getting them in the net. He's such a good player, and when he's on fire, he's on fire. I think he just needs to get his groove back. I reckon he's just in a little bit of a slump, but I reckon he'll be good. So It's what, one shot in his last four games on target. So. Yeah. Definitely not in the best of form. I, I think for a while, our days probably will start and Montero will go back on the bench, but I think this will be a good motivation boost for him. For the LA game, I I personally would like to see Ardai's, uh start. I, th- uh, I think so. I, I think he's earned it mm-hmm. uh, through his sub- substitute appearances, and he almost won the game in the end there. Um, VAR. VAR. Well, I do not like VAR. And the reason why is because ever since it first started, I've been hating it due to the first ever VAR used in the World Cup was a penalty against Australia and France got a penalty. We got a penalty after, but 
they then won that game 2-1. And ever since then, I've never liked VAR, whether or not... You're just always on the losing side, are you? Yeah, I've been on the winning side, but I still don't like VAR one bit. I'm divided about it, but I think it's just part of the game. And MDS actually, earlier this week, he said, it's just part of the game. You, It's like when you marry a girl who has a cat and you don't like cats, you marry the girl, the cat comes. You marry the game, VAR comes. Mm. Same thing. It's a good way uh, to put it. So it was a good game against Seattle. We got our first points. I don't think there was any really noticeable difference between no. the way M- MDS approached this game and the way Robinson would have approached this game, we just tried not to lose. I mean, Seattle's, they've had a good season. And I think that was smart by MDS. It, Seattle's a very good team, and I think it was a very good match, and it's definitely a positive for sure. Yeah, it was definitely something to build off, and there were a lot of things that were good that we can build off coming into the L.A. game. So on a bit of another topic, uh, we don't usually talk about things other than the Whitecaps on this podcast, but the Canadian Premier League is set to kick off in about a month. And what do you think of the new kits that were unveiled just earlier this week? I like them. I thought they had a really nice, fresh, modern feel to them. Had a really good look. And I really liked Pacific FCs. I just It just looks like a really nice, solid, not over the top, nothing crazy. And all the kits, none of them were like million sponsors on them or all over the place are really simple, but nice. Simple, nice, and... Speaking of Pacific FC's jersey, they have that kind of sublimated trident yeah. uh, on the shirt. And some of those sublimated details really make the Canadian Premier League jersey special. Mm-hmm. Uh, one worry I had with the Canadian Premier League jerseys was, first of all, they wouldn't be made by a, a good supplier. Uh, that worry was alleviated when Macron signed on earlier this year. Uh, and I thought they were just going to be kind of form jerseys. Um, maybe sort of like the Canada the Canada Nike soccer jersey, where it's just red and it has the Canada logo. Uh, yeah. But these jerseys were truly unique, truly Canadian, and they really identified with each club. Mm. Uh, I really like York 9. I They have uh, nine stripes representing the nine districts of the uh, the York district or York area. Uh, so I think that really represents their community. But I've got to say Pacific FC, their kits were fine very nice very nice uh so now we're gonna go to an interview i did earlier this week with mls on tsn's whitecaps commentator and also going to be the play-by-play guy for pacific fc Mm. uh peter shad um so here take a listen i'm here with peter shad from mls on tsn he does the play-by-play for the whitecaps and will be doing the play-by-play for Pacific FC in the Canadian Premier League as well. So thanks for joining me today, Peter. Young Benjamin, how are you, lad? I'm good, how are you? So, uh, no complaints. I just like hearing all that stuff. CPL, MLS, it's good. These are good times to be soccer-loving people in this country. And we'll definitely talk about that more today. So to start off with, how did you get into sports media and doing play-by-play? Jim Robson was in my transistor radio as he was with numerous people of my vintage uh, back in the day in the late 70s and 80s. And my first ever Canuck game changed my life. It was 1979, Montreal Canadiens, Vancouver Canucks at the Coliseum. And uh, I, I couldn't tell really who was the home team because everybody was cheering for every goal. And it was quite confusing in some ways. But 
that's when I realized um, the power of sport and the power of a live audience that follows sport. And I was hooked from that moment on. And it didn't take long before I discovered the Whitecaps, of course, 1979. And they became a big thing. And so I started listening to Ian Michaud at CJOR at the time. And maybe the two great broadcasters of our time, Michaud and Robson, were you know, just so good at what they did, and they had such great voices, and Ian, you know, he didn't have an English accent, yet he was completely authentic to the game, because he loved the game, and so I was inspired by those two guys, and when I was 13 years old, I told my father, I said, I'm going to be the play-by-play broadcaster for the Whitecaps one day, as it turned out, the Whitecaps used to have their banquets at my dad's hotel, which was the old Sheraton Villa, and my dad told Bobby Leonard, he said, my son wants to get into soccer, and Bobby said, uh, training for it or did it just sort of grow yourself you know i went to a a 10-month course which i ended up instructing at years later at columbia academy which no longer exists it sort of uh morphed into van Van arts in vancouver and so after i left school i always wanted to do play-by-play but i didn't start doing play-by-play until the last year of my time in in port alberni at cjav and that was for junior b hockey so really you had to know how to call fights more than anything else and uh and it was it was a fun experience, but I I didn't really uh, ever get close to play by play again. And I actually really enjoyed my career as a morning man and a music show host. I was in country radio for a time in Victoria, but when the new all sports station signed on, it was Team 1040 back in the day. I sent some demos and material to the late Paul Carson at the time, and we started chatting. And he was really interested because he'd never heard of me and he didn't know I did impressions and all these things and. I wanted to be the Whitecaps play-by-play guy and have some kind of a role on the new station as a morning man or as a morning producer or whatever it would be. And that didn't happen. It all fell apart, really. And I was actually unemployed for six months, and I just kept bugging them and hounding them. And finally, one day, the guy who actually gave me the chance was a fellow by the name of John Ray, and he said, hey, we need a color guy. And I was like, well, I'm not really a color guy, but I'll give it a go just to do soccer on the radio. And, and that was sort of the beginning. And then Paul Dolan said, hey, there's this guy who can do color in Vancouver. His name is Peter Shedd. He was doing the USL on Fox at the time, and uh, and that led to a chance in television, and it just sort of kind of grew from there. Nice. Do you remember the first game you ever called? Yes, it was the Vancouver Whitecaps against Toronto Lynx in 2005 at Swangard Stadium, and it was a dreary nil-nil draw. So, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not the greatest first ever game, but uh, obviously it's one that I would never forget. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you have a most memorable Whitecaps game? Yes, it was the opener in 2011 for sure, March 19th, Toronto FC, but a very close second would have probably been the Sporting Kansas City game that was, I think, a week or two later where the Whitecaps were down 3-0, and then they came back in the second half, and Camilo had the two late goals, and Nizar Kalfan almost made it 4-3 in stoppage time. And the crowd was absolutely electric. I mean, you probably remember what it sounded like at Old Empire, or the Tempire Stadium anyway, because of the aluminum and the way it amplified sound and the way people would bang their feet on the bleachers. It was just such a noisy and raucous place, and it was such a great atmosphere. And I remember floating out of there at that time, and uh, there's lots of people who still tell me they remember listening to that game because they had left, and they left early at 3-0, and they ended up putting the radio on, and lo and behold, they were captivated by what was happening, and and uh, it was just uh, it was a great moment. But, I mean, there's been lots of times, and I had the good fortune to 
of traveling uh, right through until 2016, which was fun. It was very taxing and hard sometimes, um, but there was, there was lots of great games to look back on for sure. Do you still travel with the team to away games, or do you call from a monitor? Very rarely. We're, we're in studios now, um, which makes a lot of sense from a, from a number of standpoints. First of all, it's a practice that's done all around the world, but uh, I have to tell you, traveling is really, really hard um, on a guy with a young family, uh, and because it's not really, you're not flying first class, you were, and I'm a big guy, I'm, you know, six foot two, and and so sitting in an economy seat for five hours as you fly to Chicago or wherever it is, it's hard. And usually it's a really early flight. It's a 6 a.m. on a on a Friday and you're back uh, crack of early on a Sunday. And there's just, uh, you know, it's, it's a scramble really from beginning to end. And I don't miss that um, at all. I, I did enjoy in the early stages it was a novelty and it was great to see you know, so many of the great cities in North America and get to explore a little bit. And there were some wonderful times in New York. And, and I love California, and I can go on and on. But um, to be honest with you, uh, there's something rather comfortable about being able to, to call the games from Vancouver and uh, and not have to deal with the stresses of traveling to the United States. Yeah, definitely. Um, so a bit lighter, uh, what's the funniest ever call you've had to make or uh, funniest ever instance you've seen on the pitch? Geez, I don't know about uh, I don't know about funny. I haven't really thought about that. Nothing really comes to mind uh, right out of the gates, and I've never sort of lost it with in terms of applause or laughter or something. You know, that that happened that was kind of crazy. Or uh, I mean, there were some funny moments that were sort of personal between me and my my color analyst. But uh, nothing that really comes to mind, to be honest with you. It's just like at the time of the games, you know, it's you 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 end up going second by second so you're not really paying attention to other stuff and and to be honest with you I have a tough time remembering games sometimes just because you're so invested second by second it becomes really hard to to remember little details so I don't have a great answer for you on that one yeah I guess when you're calling games it's sort of like process what's happening then delete immediately not really any sort of like streaming I guess (laughs) That's right. The RAM is wiped clean very quick, uh, very quickly. I have to move my meowing cat there. I apologize. That's what that noise was in the background. No worries. <laughs> uh, so, have you ever seen a roster turnover like the Whitecaps have had this off season? No. Uh, that's that's probably the closest thing as you'll ever see to an expansion team, really, uh, in terms of a club. But quite frankly, it needed to happen. Did I think it was going to be to the extent that it was? No, but I'm glad it was because that's really what it what it needed to be. And uh, and what's impressed me about the new regime is that they're just so clear on exactly what they want, not just from a tactical and positional standpoint, but from, you know, a human quality standpoint and, uh, you know, from character standpoint. And there's been a lot of research and homework done into the players that have come into the Whitecaps, and I don't think that's always been the case. And I think it's okay to have sort of trustworthy confidants that are scattered around the world, your bird dogs in, in other countries that tell you about players. But at the end of the day, North America is so different and such a, a different style of league, and, and there's just a completely different feel to it. So, you know, you have to be able to bring in players that can adapt to those differences culturally and technically and tactically and all those kind of things. And then and then you need to as well have somebody who has the leadership skills to really clearly outline what it is 
he wants from you as a player. And that's what we're starting to see. And I've seen progress in that regard. And it's not going to happen overnight. But I feel like uh, the Whitecaps are in a very good place right now on the field. Do you feel that this group that they have assembled now can bring success and it just hasn't come yet? Or do they need a few more pieces? I think that... Now, that's a good question. However you define success, because there has to be this... There has to be a nucleus of culture and character, first and foremost. I mean, everybody has to be buying in in that dressing room. Everybody has to understand what is expected. And there has to be sort of just a a new focus for this club um, in terms of the type of people that come in. Now, I look at the roster, and if everybody is fit and uh, there are choices to make, then I think that it could be a decent club that actually does, you know, compete for a playoff spot at the very least. Uh, and that's going to take some time because it really it's, it's, it's about familiarity and just the repetition of seeing the same triggers that uh, Mark Dos Santos wants his, his players to see when it comes time to doing the things he wants them to do. But I, I also understand that the worst time to do any kind of transfer business is in the winter window. And the fact that they were able to do so much is quite something. And it's also you know, clever on their part to have done a lot of it in the loan windows and the loan market um, because that gives them the flexibility to say, well, if we really like this player, then we could either extend the loan or see if we could uh, sign the player permanently. Uh, But the business that the Whitecaps are going to do that's going to change their fortunes is going to happen in the summer. And it's interesting because I talked to the people from Seattle about this very thing, and the Sounders will never, ever buy in the winter window. They only buy in the summer. And you look at the past years who they've brought in, whether it was Ladero or Rui Diaz, and in the past, Obafemi Martins and Clint Dempsey go down the line. They're big signings that happened then, and it's worked out for them. And Marco Santos has said numerous times that this team isn't going to change in one window. It's going to change over several windows in several years, and the best buys happen in the summertime. So I don't know if that means we're going to see a big player, but I could see pieces being added to this group, and I could see sort of more movement of players as they just try to keep upgrading in every position, upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. That's, that's I think, what the mantra is going to be uh, over the next several months. Well, hopefully those upgrades can start to bring some more success on the field than we've seen so far this year. So, on another topic, uh, why will the new Canadian Premier League be successful, and what's there to really look forward to in this league? Why will it be successful? Well, I think first and foremost, it will allow fans of the game in countries that aren't served currently by a professional club to have something that, um, that they can call their own, and... You know, I'm very proud of my affiliation with the Canadian Premier League, and I, I have been harassing and badgering and pestering all the people in charge for quite a long time. And I got to know Scott Mitchell really quickly in the process, and I made it very clear that I wanted to be involved in a meaningful way, and I wanted to do something that would satisfy this, this feeling that I have that Canada is different than everybody else, and our country deserves a league that is built on Canadian principles, Canadian values, and it's that it's uniquely and completely Canadian. And, you know, I know a lot of people, there was a lot of, not concern, but I think there was a lot of people wondering why the league went the route it did when it came to branding its clubs. And I have to tell you that the process that we went through in order to do that, because I was part of that team, was extremely extensive and extremely inclusive of people that lived in those cities. Like, we did a lot of focus grouping, and we 
we put in front of them options of what they gravitated towards, what colors they liked, what landmarks they cared about, what cultural issues that separated that community from anything else in Canada. Because what I did not want to see, Ben, was I didn't want to see Canada copying the Americans, copying the Europeans when it came to Brandon clubs. And unfortunately, we don't have a culture for the game in this country yet. That's what this... If, you, if I have to answer that question one way, what will... Why will the Canadian Premier League be successful? It will be the fulcrum that actually changes the culture of the game in our country. And that includes creating a soccer industry that will include lower divisions like League One Ontario. One day there'll be a League One Quebec. There'll be a League One British Columbia very soon. And, and that will build a soccer industry in our country that will start to attract people who love the game, who want to be challenged by the opportunities in the game, whether that's a player, administrator, coach, play-by-play guy, doesn't matter. That's what's going to happen. But I did not want to see Calgary FC and FC Edmonton and Winnipeg City and Hamilton United and all these things that everybody else has already done. I wanted this league to be completely unique and completely Canadian. And the stories that the clubs are built around are really compelling and completely localized stories. The other thing that the league really wants to do one day is to maybe not just be satisfied with having one club in one city, which is why we left out the city names. Like We want to see multiple clubs in some of the major cities and even some of the smaller cities someday. And so that's why we went the route we did. And, and I really hope that it does take off, and I really hope that people start to get what it is, which is fiercely local clubs representing their communities and growing you know, organically over time. And if that happens, then... That is truly successful, and I think this league's going to go gangbusters. I think it's going to be unrecognizable in five years. There'll be more clubs. There'll be better players coming in, and the playing standard will gradually and incrementally improve as the years go by. But, you know, we're humble people, Canadians, and we have to, we have to start thinking humbly in our game because that's badly, badly missing in soccer in Canada. There's not enough humility. There's too much arrogance, too much entitlement, and I really hope that the league has humble beginnings and we build from that place and and start to just create more opportunities for everybody in the sport. I hope so as well and it looks like a great league coming up and I'm excited to see it kick off with of course uh, that Toronto Derby uh, happening between New York 9 and Hamilton to open it up and then the one of the longest road trips in North American sports with Halifax and Pacific FC uh, in Langford in just about 20 days eh? Yeah, I'm excited because I get to call it. So there's there's history there, and having lived in Victoria for six years and having lived on the island for twelve, um, I absolutely love the concept of what they're doing. And uh, I know Josh and Rob Friend, and and I I think they're going to do very well because they're football people and they understand what a club is. And uh, so far, it's extremely impressive what they've managed to do because before even putting all the tickets for sale to the public, they already had two thousand commitments. That's 2,000 people that haven't even had it, like that, that they were reached out to, and that bodes well. And you know they've had a lot of lot of support from the city of Langford as well, and that's Stu Young, the mayor there. So the last time Vancouver Island had professional football was was when the Vistas were around. And I remember going with the '86ers supporters to Royal Athletic Park and being the away supporters in in Royal Athletic Park with the '86ers. And I realized at that point, and I think until you walk into an opposing team's park as the visiting supporter, 
you don't really understand what football culture really is. But this is what's going to be happening across our land, and this is why the league really wants to increase its footprint quickly in order to give supporters the opportunity to go support their team away from their home stadium, which is just going to change the whole the whole cultural viewpoint towards the game in our country. Uh, and I think that's all the time we have. So thank you so much for joining me this week on What's Up Whitecaps here. And uh, it was great to have you. I was, uh, I was thrilled to be asked, Ben, and I, uh, I look forward to watching your career unfold as you head through Ryerson and uh, hopefully on to maybe a CPL team after that. We'll see. Uh, so that was uh, Peter Shad, and thank you so much for joining us. And welcome back. Wow. What an interview. He is just such an interesting guy and has told in this interview so many interesting stories. Yeah, and it was a really fun interview to do as well. Uh, and I'm sorry if it was a bit long for you, um, but I just couldn't cut any of it out. It was just so good. Yeah, for sure. What's thoughts on LA Galaxy? They're in form. They're mm-hmm. coming in on a two-game win streak uh, with wins over Minnesota and Portland Timbers. They're led by one of the game's best players mm. uh, of the past generation, even though he's old now uh, and maybe a bit slower. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic is still a force to be reckoned with. Oh, he's so scary. Yeah. I, I went and I uh, watched him when he was playing for Manchester United, and he's just so intimidating and scary, and he's fast, he's physical, he's a great player. And he will be playing at BC Place on the turf. Awesome. Um, rarely do we get yeah, a player like rarely that. Rarely do we get a player like that. Most of the time, uh, these players get an injury. Uh, I used air quotes there uh, before BC plays games because the turf is so terrible. But Zlatan, he's not the type of player to do that. That's Last year awesome. he didn't play on turf, but this year he will be. And I'll be there tonight. I'm certainly looking forward to watching that game. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's awesome when players like that. Come, for example, Bastian Schweinsteiger, he played on the turf. That was awesome to w- see a World Cup winner play. I, I went to that game. And David Villa as well, Andre Pirlo. David Villa and Pirlo. Oh, I yeah. wish I went to that game. That would have been amazing. And, yeah, anyway, let's give the injury report. We have Tybert played through a separated shoulder versus Seattle. Kamiri and Baldissimo back in training this week. And Andy Rose still training on the side and is still healing from concussion and facial fracture. And without Tybert and maybe Kamiri, the Whitecaps might have a bit of a problem uh, shutting down Zlatan. How are they going to shut down Zlatan? How are they going to shut down Zlatan? Who do you put 1v1 battle with him? I don't know. I guess Cornelius because he got the Canadian, one of the, uh, he was on the Canadian team. He's had some international experience i guess for now that's probably my best choice i think probably uh probably cornelius is going to be the guy man marking him but henry is also physical and he's big, great yeah uh, so he can match up size wise and then i'm hoping adnan uh is on the field again because i think 1v1 especially on the ground adnan might even be a higher quality than zlatan for sure now ben what's the, give us the academy update well, the academy this week, they weren't really active. The uh, U12s through U19s, they had a bye week uh, after two weeks ago, their uh, round of games over Portland. And this coming week, all those teams will be again out at UBC 
facing another Cascadia side, the Seattle Sounders. Although there were no games for the main academy teams this week, we still had plenty of news. Simon Coline, uh, he's actually on a first-team contract, uh, and he's ranked as the seventh-best player to watch at this year's Generation Adidas Cup. The Generation Adidas Cup is under-17 tournament. The Whitecaps will play Columbus, Kansas City, and Monterey in the group stage. Uh, so there were also some call-ups as well. Tom, do you want to bring us to the call-ups? Yep, we had the U17 t- uh, goalkeeper Chituri Odunze was called into the U17 USA national team. That's awesome. And we also had Thomas Rainbolt was called into the New Zealand U20 national team. Yeah, and he's uh, actually uh, only 17 years old, so that's quite impressive. And It's awesome. He uh, did score that wicked goal against Portland yeah, uh, that just was last such week. Yeah, that was such a good goal. Uh, not really part of the academy, but they'll be in the development update. The under-23 development team uh, has remained in England this week, as they did last week, mm-hmm. and they have only played one game since last week episode. Last week's episode, uh, it was a two-one win or two-one loss. Uh, my bad to Conference side Merstam FC, and we were actually able to watch this game on the Whitecaps website. They didn't look very good, uh, in all honesty. Um, I think they're just still the men, mm. um, but they're definitely gelling as a team, and they get it, in there. It's hard for a development team to really get up, yeah, because they're not playing in a league, they're not playing competitive games. And there's all lots these, of changes as well to the squad yeah, constantly, and they're the games don't matter. So, uh, while they're definitely putting in good effort, um, that intensity that comes with a game day just isn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also from England, the Whitecaps have their very own Jordan Heidema and Julia Grosso who are right now, as we speak, suiting up for Team Canada in a friendly against Team England ahead of their World Cup. That should be interesting. Should be a good match. Yeah, I mean, uh, Canada, they're ranked fifth in the world, England's third. So that'll be a good match. It's at Manchester City's training ground. And Canada, they could make a run at the World Cup this year. Yeah, that would be amazing, especially considering that we have so much potential in the squad and such young potential. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of What's Up, Whitecaps. I just quickly wanted to give a shout-out to Simmer Down, a new podcast. That their first episode released last week. They talk about all different types of sports, college sports, hockey, basketball, all of it. And it's really interesting, so go give it a listen. It's on Anchor, Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, so definitely give it a listen. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. See you guys later.